Welcome to the JACCP podcast. My name is Jerry Bauman. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today we're talking with Dr. Melissa McGivney, Associate Dean for Community Partnerships and Professor of Pharmacy and Therapeutics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. Melissa's background and her passion made her the ideal lead for JACCP's first themed issue which is entitled Clinical Pharmacy Practice in Community Settings. Thank you, Melissa, for serving as the JACCP guest editor, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been a terrific opportunity. You know, first off, I just wanted to say um, to those listening that I'm really excited about this issue, and I, I hope it has uh, some impact. As you know, you know, ACCP has been traditionally the home for health system clinical pharmacists, but, you know, to that end, could you review what you think is the importance and significance of ACCP and JACCP devoting its first themed issue to clinical pharmacy services in the community? Certainly. And we really summed it up in the title of the editorial, Unrealized Potential and Underrecognized Value. Pharmacists in the community, especially today, are providing a higher level of patient care service than ever before, some of it being recognized through payers and some of it being just because of how things are changing in healthcare and the movement towards value-based care. The significance for ACCP and JACCP to, to recognize this is huge. There's a lot of pharmacists out there that often don't feel that they're recognized for the work that they're doing, and they are doing really impactful work in neighborhoods across the country. So this was an exciting opportunity to share that with the whole ACCP audience and bring certainly authors, uh, many of whom are actually members of ACCP, the opportunity to share the work that they're doing in communities nationwide. Great. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, clinical pharmacy is clinical pharmacy, independent of uh, where it is. So, along with uh, our colleagues, we both contributed editorials on this subject uh, in this issue. In mine, I recounted the significant barriers that clinical pharmacists and community pharmacies must overcome. And just to review, uh, one was the physical layout of most pharmacies and the privacy issue. Two was the accessibility of patient-specific data, such as diagnoses and laboratory findings. And three, the, the current payment structures to pharmacists and pharmacies in this setting. Could you review current efforts in the profession to overcome these barriers? Absolutely. And the, the barriers that you brought out are ones that are extraordinarily um, well known and actually have been the impetus to create change for quite a long time. What's different now um, is really the change of healthcare that's happening around us. And I, it, just to start with that, we're seeing a change in the way that primary care is delivered uh, throughout the country with less, less physicians and more to nurse practitioners, physicians assistants. We're seeing this drive towards value-based care. We know that 80% of chronic disease management is drug therapy. And so adherence to the appropriate, the right, the most in, the appropriate indication the most effective drug, the safest drug, and the one that patient can take, have become even more important. It's always been important for the patient, but now it's important for payment. So there's a lot of things that are happening around us that are also driving change. 
But one thing I hope everyone listening can relate to is that community pharmacy is truly the front door to the profession of pharmacy. There's 62,000 front doors to our profession, and they're everywhere. They're in the grocery store. They might be in Target or Walmart, um, and they're in our neighborhood pharmacies. And whether or not someone is a patient or they're just walking by as they're buying their groceries, everyone in the United States has an inroad or a look into our profession by what they see. We want that to be something we see. It's just like a front door to a house. When you go to sell a house, you paint the front door, you make the outside look nice. You open the front door and you see a lot of different things. You know, the living room might look different than a bedroom or a kitchen. So you might walk through the front door just because it's interesting and you find all kinds of different things that might be exciting to you inside. Our profession's like that. Your front door might be community pharmacy and once you get in there, you might get really excited about working in the hospital or in a physician office or in managed care or research. And the list goes on and on. We've got all kinds of different facets of our profession. But the community pharmacy is the first thing that people see. It's the first thing legislators see, our neighbors see, and future pharmacy students. So it really matters um, to all of us. And what's been changing to that front door over time has been a lot. With the advent of some payment from immunizations, there are more and more private spaces popping up in pharmacies throughout the country to be able to provide those immunizations, to be able to provide medication therapy management, and to be able to provide comprehensive medication management. One thing in our profession we tend to think of is if it isn't in every single pharmacy or every single location in the United States, it can't happen. So one thing about change that we know is things don't happen with everybody all at once 100% of the time. They start when there's a large influence. And what you're starting to see, if you were to look at how many pharmacies across the country have patient care space, it's much more significant than it's ever been. Second, the accessibility of patient-specific data and from diagnosis and laboratory findings has been a critical factor that there's been a lot of work around specifically the development of the pharmacist e-care plan. In 2013, the Office of the National Coordinator of Health Information Technology, with the help of a grant from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovations, began to test and develop a pathway for pharmacists to document patient care services in the same way that physicians do, and to be able to connect those services to, or to connect that documentation to a physician electronic health record. That's called the Pharmacist eCare Plan. It's available um, nearly in every uh, community pharmacy dispensing system in the United States. It is a way, those are, those are paid for, which is separate than um, the ones that are in the chain pharmacies, but those that are um, utilized and that are purchased separately are importantly have the accessibility of the pharmacist e-care plan, which is a full-on documentation system, clinical documentation for pharmacists in the community. That documentation then can be transmitted uh, through a secure system to an electronic health record of any physician practice. Certainly, it's up to that physician practice and the IT service whether they accept that documentation, but the accessibility uh, and portability is actually there. And finally, you brought up the um, information about the current payment structures. Those continue to evolve in a really interesting way. 
I'm sure most folks are familiar with um, the ability to provide immunizations and get paid for those uh, medication therapy management services through Medicare Part D. But what has really begun to evolve in, in a robust way is on the Medicaid side in a number of states. Here in Pennsylvania, where I'm sitting, we do have um, an opportunity through one of our Medicaid payers. Um, the same is true in Iowa, North Carolina, Ohio, Wisconsin, and a number of other states. What happens in these cases is that a network of pharmacies has formed, so independently owned business come together in something called a clinically integrated network. This network allows the ability to represent those individual pharmacies in a way to a payer and create that contractual relationship. All of these pharmacies do document the pharmacist document in the pharmacist care plan. Those are transmitted and provide an opportunity for billing. The billing happens in a bunch of different ways with individual Medicaids. As we know, when you see one Medicaid, you see one Medicaid. So there certainly are differences in the way that the billing occurs, but it's done in these clinically integrated networks. CPS on USA or Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Networks USA provides a national platform to bring these individual or local networks together to be able to be seen at a, at a, a national level, um, to be able to be working with the national payers. So there's been tremendous changes going on infrastructure-wise within the community pharmacy space to allow the opportunity for pharmacists to be able to be at the table in a meaningful way with payers and importantly with physician and other practitioners to be able to care, provide the care that's needed in the community. I think those are incredibly exciting developments and as shown by the contents of this issue of JACCP, it's clear that uh, progress is being made. In your editorial, you review the unique opportunities for enhanced clinical pharmacy services in community settings. Could you review some of those uh, for those listening? And what are, what are some examples of this that are in progress? Certainly. What's interesting is the services that we're beginning to see emerge within the community pharmacy space or the community pharmacies that are providing more and enhanced services is they're really meeting the needs of people in their neighborhoods and meeting the needs that are being observed by the health plans and the physicians. So as you can imagine, there's a public health string to what we're seeing in the community. And you're seeing that obviously with immunizations. You're also seeing that in the space of uh, providing naloxone along with op appropriate opioid prescriptions. And in certain states, we're also seeing the extension of the pharmacist as a public health provider, providing things such as fluoride um, in Idaho, providing for smoking cessation and that getting paid for in certain states. So there's a number of things in that public health space that we are seeing in the community pharmacy from an enhanced service. We're also seeing what you'd probably expect is enhanced adherence services. So everything from um, changing packaging, so adherence packaging, doing monthly calls out to the patients to review their medications, doing medication synchronization, ensuring that all the patient's medications are synced up or, or 
packaged up on a given day of the month to support the patient. And in the pharmacies that we're working with, they're doing enhanced delivery services for these pharmacists. We're calling it hand delivery. So it's not packaged. It's in a way that it's sent by postal mail or um, any of those delivery services. But rather, there's a person who's often trained. And in some cases, what we're seeing is that the person who's doing the delivery is actually trained as a community health worker. And that individual is able to do some baseline assessments of what's going on in the home to ensure that the patient has some basic safety, and they're also um, able to take their medications. There's a few state Medicaids that are working in this way with pharmacists in the community. And finally, as you would expect, we're doing comprehensive medication management. This is often in the case with, a, with Medicaid as a payer, and the Pharmacists are working collaboratively, not only with the patient and their caregivers, but also with the prescribers, and really importantly, with the case managers who are part of the state Medicaid plan. That, where it's happening, has been a really important and interesting function. In some cases, the case managers are in a call center, and they don't always have the opportunity to work directly with the patient. So they are delighted to work with a pharmacy and a pharmacist who's actually in the patient's neighborhood. Other times we're finding that the case managers are, they work out of their homes and they're driving to meet the patients and they're often looking for a safe, appropriate place to meet the patient. And so instead of, of meeting at a, a local neighborhood restaurant where other people can overhear the conversation, they're finding that they can work in the community pharmacy where it's private, it's safe. And actually, the case manager has another practitioner in the pharmacist to actually work with. So that's been a really interesting development that has happened really organically as pharmacists are working with these state Medicaids. And finally, we're seeing um, some transitions of care um, happening and supporting the uh, patient as they're coming out of the hospital. And in some cases, it's actually a pharmacist in the hospital who's able to work with the pharmacist in the community. In other cases, it's the case manager, again, who's in the hospital that's working um, with the pharmacist. I've even seen some cases where the technician from the pharmacy goes to the hospital and works with the case manager. And finally, we're seeing some partnerships, particularly in rural areas, where there's not pharmacists embedded in a physician practice, that the pharmacist in the community pharmacy is working with the physician office, protect, um, going into the physician office to do some chronic care management or doing that from afar. So we're seeing a whole variety of different things happening um, in the community pharmacies with regard to really clinically oriented work. Thank you. Do you have any advice for individual community pharmacists that want to transform their practice? I always start by saying it's happening, you know, so we don't have to wait. You know, 20 years ago when I started doing this work, it was not happening in as many different places. And today we can provide examples of neighborhoods throughout the United States where pharmacists are providing this level of care. So for pharmacists who want to get involved, whether they're community-based pharmacists or pharmacists that are in ambulatory settings or within hospitals, know that pharmacists exist. Get involved. I really encourage folks to take a look at CPSN USA's website. To There's a pharmacy locator there. All the pharmacies that are on that website in the locator app in states nationwide are pharmacies who are doing 
doing this type of work and or are ready to do this type of work. So if you're looking for a ready partner, that's a great place to go. If you're looking for some inspiration, if you're a community-based pharmacist and want to know where folks are happening and who you can connect with, I encourage you to take a look there. I highly encourage you to get involved um, with your state association uh, in addition to the national associations. The state associations are really working in many cases hand in hand with these community-based pharmacists that are doing these enhanced services. And importantly, know that the opportunity for payment is there. I've seen a number of times where community-based pharmacists aren't, aren't able to figure out how to change the workflow, and so they're leaving money on the table from payers. And so really committing your practice to being patient-oriented is an important step. And you can also, in addition to reaching out to your state association, reach out to schools of pharmacy. If you take a look at actforpharmacy.com, we've started an initiative nationwide where we have faculty at schools of pharmacy who are invested in supporting community pharmacy practice transformation. You can take a look at the ACT Champions for every school that's involved. There's a name and contact of one faculty member who you can reach out to, who can provide support and connect you to resources within your region and within your state. There's an enormous amount of support for pharmacists that want to make these transitions that more than ever before. So we encourage you to get involved and know that there's a lot of colleagues in your court that are working together to make a difference, to make sure community pharmacies are sustainable and meaningful in neighborhoods throughout the country. Well, I certainly enjoyed uh, reviewing all the papers that were submitted to this first uh, themed issue and learning about the progress that's being made in community pharmacies. Uh, for the listeners, the full themed issue is available on the JACCP website. And thank you, Melissa. I enjoyed working with you for spearheading this effort and for joining me today uh, on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a tremendous experience and really excited to be able to work alongside so many of these authors to bring some interesting work to all of you. Thank you.